0: Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäbe ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen
1: zieht. Komm die Entge- Hello and welcome to Gag Impressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me... As always, it's Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been?
2: Right, it's been very well, thank you. Um, exceptional week covering European football, Football Grad Live at Anfield and then over to the Emirates. So yeah, I've had a pretty good week. What about you?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I think you and I were rather happy about the uh, performance and the scoreline that came out of Anfield last week, eh?
2: Um, yes, not very often I lose my call cool in the press box, but I was up in the gantry at the top of the main stand um, and I was sat next to the five Five live guys from B- BBC Radio 5 Live. Um, and, and there was a couple of Liverpool fans there. So, yeah, you know, when in Rome, um, just went mad.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. So so we possibly could have heard you on 5 Live. Is that what you were saying?
2: Um, no, I was careful about where I shouted. Oh, that's a great <laughs> goal. Get in the back of the net. I made sure that I turned around when I said words to that effect.
1: Well, well, most certainly. We'll, we'll not get too excited just yet, Chris, until the job is done. But I think we were talking before the pod that um, Bayern-Liverpool semi-final would be very fun. But we'll not talk about that just yet. Manu, you're with us as well. That's Manu Vett, as always. Manu, how has your week been?
3: Yeah, it's been exceptionally busy because we're covering a lot of European football and um I'm heading to Europe myself in just a few days, so I'm trying to get everything in order ahead of the big trip. Of course, I'm covering the the World Cup in Russia for Football Grad, but we have a few things going on before that, so trying to get everything in order. So it's been extremely busy, Bryce, but busy is good. How about you? All good? Oh, yes, very good with me. I'm busy enough at work but and enjoying
1: the rain in London as much as I possibly can, but we've come to... Expect this weather, haven't we? But, um, reigning in championships is, uh, Bayern Munich as they've, well, more or less sealed through this, um, season, haven't they? They started a little bit slow, I suppose, but, but ever since, uh, Jupp uh, return uh, returned to the club, it's been, uh, easy ceiling for them and they've still to their 28th German Championship, 27th Bundesliga title. Uh, Manu obviously you're from Munich uh, this is a hell of a feat uh, for Germany's biggest side and uh, they all seemed extremely happy after coming from behind um, against Augsburg
3: yeah, you know what? This, this title is, I mean, um, I mean, people, the Bundesliga gets a lot of slack because Bayern have now won it six times in a row and uh, people say it's a one, one team league. And, um, I don't think they understand how difficult this title actually was for Bayern to wrap up. We have to remember in October, they were dead in the water. You know, they were, this was a site that seemed to be completely falling apart and many, many people, including us, sung Bayern's swan song and, believed that there was no way for them to be competitive in the Bundesliga, let alone in Europe. A few months later, they're on the verge of reaching the semi-final of the Champions League. They have wrapped up the title they're in the semi-final of the Cup. Um, Heink is building very much on, you know, immortalizing himself in Munich. And, I mean, that it is remarkable, because they've lost just two games since Heinkes has taken over. Um And drawn one, I believe. So that's that's an incredible record. The run has been incredible and the the things that he has done is just fantastic. So to say, I think of all the the titles that they won from the six in a row, I would actually say and argue that this was the hardest one for them to win because of where they were in the beginning of the season and where they are as a side. And for Heinke's to come in and do the work that he has done is remarkable. I mean, I feel that that is something... You know, a lot of people are saying, "Well, this is easy for them, etc." I don't think this one was, and I think this was maybe the hardest one for them to win um, of all six of them.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. I suppose when we looked back, you know, at the start of the season, and even the second half of last season, even maybe beyond that, you know, the the three of us were saying that they didn't quite seem as powerful as they used to be. Maybe under Hankus previously, under Guardiola, they they just didn't seem right Since you got to remember when Hankies came in, they were five points um, off the top, and uh, Chris now they've uh, they've completed this uh, next um, championship, twenty points ahead. I mean, as Manu said, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, Byron have went and done it again, but they didn't make it easy for themselves at the start of the season, but then it ever, it seemed ever so easy as as the season went on.
2: Well, yeah, I think it's a fantastic achievement because Asmanu and yourself have quite rightly said if you if you go back to I think it was around about match day two or three they were um, they were down in six. Now I'm one of the people that doesn't really look at the league table until round about Christmas anyway. But for Bayern Munich to be sixth um, after match day three was a shock. But then for them to still um, for them to still be well round about uh, it was it was third, wasn't it? And just before Ancelotti was sacked. um, it drew Wolfsburg, and they didn't look good then, um, and the teams around them were getting better. So I think had he not gone and um, Willie Sagnall not come in for that um, brief little spell before Hankis took over, I think Bayern would have dropped to maybe fourth or fifth, but they had to act, didn't they? And and they acted very, very quickly. Um, I still think that they should have probably acted At the back end of last season, Um, I think they knew then that Ancelotti wasn't the right man in charge. Maybe they couldn't find who they needed over the summer, but I think for them to start the campaign um, could have backfired. Obviously, it hasn't now, as Manu's quite rightly said. You know they're in the latter stages of the Pokal, the Champions League, and they've claimed the title with you know match days to spare in abundance in their back pocket. So they will reflect back on this victory as, you know, they did the right thing. But I would I would be surprised if they ever um, went into that situation again where they ended the season with a manager they weren't sure um, weren't sure of and then gave him maybe a few match days the season after to see if he can rectify it because they'll learn from this and, and I think they learn from it very quickly. But don't take it away. You know, it, it's been a fantastic, fantastic achievement for them to do what they've done. And I'm more impressed with Heinkus and we all know how good he is, but he's not had a transfer window as such, um, you know, to to make massive changes. He's not had a, a preseason as such to to really work on aspects of the game. He came in minor, minor tweaks. And at the very top of the game, the professional game, it's all about minor, minor margins. And he came in and he fixed those margins. And you just have to look at their nearest rivals at the time when he came in, which is Borussia Dortmund. They've gone the opposite way. So you can only take your hat off to Bayern Munich and say congratulations on a sixth title, and it's going to be very, very interesting for whoever comes in in the summer to um, take over from that because, as I said last week, it was Guardiola that took over from Heinke's last time, so um, he was able to fill those big shoes. Who does it this time? Well, we're still waiting, aren't we?
3: imagine you have to take over at the end of the season. They do win the (laughs) treble.
2: I mean, it's, it's it's almost impossible, isn't it? Yeah, you're in the same situation again, where um, Bayern bought Guardiola in to get them, you know, consistently winning the Champions League. They saw what he did at Barcelona and thought he's a man for us. Well, he came in and and he didn't do that, did he? He um he didn't he didn't topple what Hankers had achieved before, and and he goes and Slotti comes in briefly in the big scheme of things. And Hankers comes back in and he he's standing on the cuspo and another treble. So I would not like that job after him because um I would I would liken it to replacing Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. Whoever does that, you know, I think you're deemed to fail for the first season.
3: Yeah, in retrospect, I mean this is completely out there. But maybe they should have hung on to Hankers back when he'd have retired the first time around. You know, because that side might have more Champions League titles than they have now. Because I, I Gordiola played some fantastic football, but we just saw it last week. He seems to stumble at that, at, at certain cup games. He, his tack he, he tinkers a bit too much and then it all falls apart on him. So just, I know it's a little bit off topic, but just thinking back, maybe if Heink is in charge over the last four years, I, I reckon this side could have maybe won even more.
1: But in, in saying that, you if, if you're ever going to look for a coach to come in, to your sides um, after one stepping down. I mean, it's, it's hard to look, um, as a better, better coach to get in than, than Pap Guardiola, would you not say? And he does bring his own brand of football. I mean, you would, you'd be quite happily handing that baton over, would you not?
3: Yeah. But Bayern retired Heinkes more or less. They more or less went out back then and hired Guardiola and told Heinkes afterwards that Heinkes was going to retire. And they didn't actually, Heinkes was pretty upset at the time. About that decision. I, uh, I, he, because he was not consulted, he was more or less, uh, retired. And yeah, I, I just, just thinking about that, uh, today, because, um, uh, Bayern have never played as dominant as they have, you know, there were spells under Guardiola, but in the, in the big, in the big matches, it's, you, you didn't always see that dominance. And, um, it, curious to see, of course, I could be reversing everything I'm saying now if they go out against Sevilla on on Wednesday or in the next round against whoever they will get next, and the next round and completely fall apart again and be like, ah oh, well, oops, wrong. But I am. Um, I don't think they would underhinkers. It's, it's because they, you know, you already saw the differences between the first leg and against Paris and the second leg where they almost overcame that that the deficit and um actually almost got first place. I mean in retrospect it was good that they didn't get that first place in the group. But it's just the differences, that experience that Heinkes brings in, it's something something that you can't buy. And I think Heinkes also has the experience to just leave the side alone. Change enough, rotate enough, but leave the side alone and just let them play football. And I think maybe that is that is one of the big strengths that he has.
1: So, no matter maybe. what you're saying is maybe that Hankis should get his revenge on Bayern Munich by taking the Borussia Dortmund role in the summer.
3: No, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, Chris, I interrupted.
2: No, no, I, I think what we also need to remember is that this guy left football in 2013 and just went back to a, a to a small German town and started gardening and went into cafes and, and had a cup of coffee on his, on his way to get his paper in the morning. And he had, um, he had years out of the game and he just came in and, and he revitalized a whole club and, you know, a giant in, mm-hmm. in the game. Um, I just think that's phenomenal. It's not like he'd been coaching every single day at a very high level. He he went into retirement and he'd given up football. Obviously, he still watched football and he still kept in, in contact with the game. And um, I saw a very good documentary uh, that the Bundesliga pushed out on their international channels. Um, and it, it spoke to people in the cafe, he was going in and, and he was just living a normal life. And I think that is phenomenal. Um, for a, for a manager or a coach to do that, to walk away from the game for four years, um, and then come back into it, um, and and take a team to the Champions League semi final, to win the Bundesliga title with games to spare, and to be in the semi final of Pokal, I think it's
3: extraordinary. It's not just the club, Chris, right? It's all the players. He he, he managed Ribery and Robin, um, got the most out of them, and. You know, they have diminishing roles, mm-hmm. but he managed that really well to sort of tell them, look, you're not going to be playing every game anymore because there's other younger players in here that need to play. So he managed that really well. There's none of them, neither of them, and they're both hotheads have really put up a big fuss. Arturo Vidal, um, completely turned his career around. He's, he's become, become once again a key player by basically telling him, you're not training enough. You are being lazy. And then all of a sudden, Vidal picked it up. Same with Martinez. You know, he moved Martinez back into midfield. Fantastic move. And then finally, Hamas. Hamas is... How often have we lauded um season this far? He has been remarkable. So these are five players that he has more or less gone like, look, these are good players. They've just been managed wrong. And he just went in and boom, here we go. We're talking about five players that have all five of them in their own ways having remarkable uh, remarkable seasons.
1: Yeah, obviously, um, I think both of you have pointed out that you, we were concerned when Joop Hankes was coming back into the Bundesliga, whether maybe football had moved on from his style of play as his coaching um, attacked will we say. But um, I, I feel both of um, you guys need to um, tell me just how highly does Joop Hankes uh, rank as all-time maybe German managers, not just Bayern managers. Um, Manu, if we, if we go to you first, I mean, how highly does this take him? Yes, the season is is still not over. There's still plenty to play for, but we'll get to them in a moment. But after this championship, where exactly would you rate him?
3: Well, I want to wait till the season is actually over, because if he wins that second treble, um, he ranks among the, the top. Because remember, he also won the Champions League with Real. That's something that's often forgotten, right? So let's wait till the end of the season until my judgment comes out on that one.
1: Yeah, most certainly. That's right, that Real title back in nineteen ninety eight. Um Chris, um would you say that he's he's going to be uh, up there if he um, if he wins the uh, the Champions League or or the Pokal, or even if he doesn't, would you say that he's he's probably gonna be up there as one of the, the greatest um, German coaches ever?
2: I think time will um will say that he's one of the greatest coaches ever, but I don't think he will be fully appreciated until he's gone. And I don't mean gone-gone. I mean until he's finished and he's out of the game. Like, he was exceptionally appreciated um, once he'd left and and there was a the trouble with Ancelotti, etc. Um, I think when people look back in 10, 15, 20 years' time, um, they'll, he'll be up there um, with the best managers that have ever been um, in Germany. No, be that um as a unified country or a unified country i think he will it will he will be in the top 3 of any but man is quite right let's see you know they could just win the bundesliga they could fall out the pokal and you know um, fall out the champions league so, so we'll wait and see but for him to come back in and do what he's done he's certainly shown that um you know is exceptionally talented and i think if you look back over his career where he's been um, across europe as well um, you know, some of the, the teams he's managed like Bill Bauer and obviously we've mentioned Madrid, Benfica and other big team. Um Schalker at the time were a, were a decent side as well. So um I think um I think time he will stand the test of time and, and that's the show of a true great.
1: Yes, most certainly as seems to happen with a lot of coaches, isn't it? They're not fully appreciated until maybe afterwards. But Chris let let's talk about the next week that Bayern have um ahead. Some... Um, Obviously, that that could be the difference in maybe him going down. as, as a, a very good coach to to um you know one of the greatest as we just mentioned. As they've got a Champions League um, second leg return mm. in Munich, um, they are leading from the first one with those away goals. Uh, and then uh, one week later, they're going to be taking on labor cruising away from home in the semi-final of the pokal um, what are the likelihood of uh, bayern getting through both ties um i, I mean probably f- fairly favorable right
2: yes for me they've got an exceptional chance because the league's been won so um he doesn't need to play a full-strength side against gladbach or any of the run ins so you know hanover frankfurt cologne and stuttgart are their run He he can he won't put out reserve side but he can put out a vastly rotated side that will still be able to perform Um, so he can pick his strongest team against Sevilla and he can also pick his strongest side against Bayer Leverkusen who you know I'm sure we'll get onto but played exceptionally well tonight as we record this Monday night so it will be—it's um, a luxury, I think, to tie up the league now because he can just, you know, play um, play a heavily rotated side in the remaining five um, Bundesliga games and concentrate on the cups. So I think it all depends on the draw um, for the Champions League semi-finals. Should they um, get through Wednesday night, which I, I can't see them not, to be honest, not in Munich anyway. Um, Sevilla quite happily leak a few goals away from home, so um i think that's uh, that, that's a pretty much a done deal for me two away goals price is is massive to come back from spain with so i think that one's done we'll see how true that is um, as the week goes on and then by leverkusen a full strength by munich beats by leverkusen and, and you know then you're looking at a um you're looking at a final then and it's a one off game so it's whoever's best on that day so I think the fortune um favors the brave and you know they've they've won it early and now they can just concentrate on the remaining games with um with maybe a, a little bit more relaxation and and you know all that does to teams if you're relaxed and you're confident then you know you play the way you can play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's going to be hard pushed um well, I'll put it this way, I wouldn't like to uh, bet um, that they won't get through both of those ties. Uh, Manu, uh, how do you feel about both? Obviously, those away goals are massively favourable. It, it's going to be hard for Sevilla to, to turn that one around. But then they face uh, Bayer Leverkusen next week. Do you, do you see uh, Bayer possibly getting through that?
3: Yeah, um, um, I think... We've all seen the, the Leverkusen game today. It was, we will get to that in a bit, but it was quite remarkable. So uh, I think that's almost the tougher of the two. Um, it's a one-off, right? As Chris says. So if Bayern play like they have played all season, they'll, they'll win that. But I think Bayern will fancy their chance of going through themselves and maybe ending the season with a title. And then, I mean, the, the teams that are in the other semi-final, Schalke and Eintracht Frankfurt, they both they both probably quite happy to win a title too. And it's it's a one off, right? It's a, a lot of things can happen in one match.
1: Well, obviously, if they go through, they they do pass uh, Bayer. That means that, as you said, they will face the winner of Eintracht Frankfurt versus Schalke, which will be a tough tie, nevertheless. But, uh, Manu, if we just go to the Champions League, a tie that looks more favorable for them, it looks like that's. Uh, Closer to a done deal. Who would Byron like to, or Byron like to uh, face in, in the, in the next round, in the semi-final? Is there going to be a preference?
3: I don't think it matters. To be honest, uh, all the teams that are going to go, uh, is going to be through. And I reckon it will be Liverpool and, um, Barcelona and Real Madrid. I personally, I personally would, wouldn't, whoever is in the final in the end, I would like to have a final between two different countries. So I think it'd be best if Barcelona and Real Madrid, um, get drawn to, to face each other in the semi-final and then bayern Liverpool. Simply, the, the simple reason is that I, I don't want, don't want to have an all Spanish final because I find them boring. I find finals that have only include one country in a Champions League. There is no point. You know, we might as well watch, um, a league. A cup final, um, a domestic cup final. So that'd be better. But I am personally, I don't think it matters because, um, on that level, they're all, all fantastic sides for, for various reasons. You know, Liverpool have pluses and minuses, Real have pluses and minuses, uh, Barcelona have the pluses and minuses. And I think on that level, it's really just daily form that makes the difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, to win the competition, you've got to beat the best, eh? So, all four, uh, teams will be, uh, tricky opponents and probably wouldn't ideally like to face any of them, if, if being honest. But, um, let, let's talk a little bit more about this, uh, Bayern squad. Um, Chris, uh, we've heard that, um, guess will be gone, um, in the, uh, in the summer, but, uh, Two players that um, are a little bit ageing, if we're being honest, is Ribery and Robin. And we talked about how it might be best for one, if not two of them, to uh, move on. But uh, it looks like the possibility of new contracts coming their way um, seems more likely. Um, how do you feel about this? Do you think it's a, a good move for Bayern? Or, or do you think, um, really, they, they should be focusing on youth at this stage and let them go on?
2: Oh, well... That... It's a hard question that because you would you would say look they're both um, mid 30s so Robin's thirty four, Ribery's thirty five. You would say okay let's bring um, let's try and bring some younger players in and blood them. But you know the way Frank Ribery ripped down um, ripped down the game um, against Dortmund the other week turned them inside out. <laughs> you know he did it like a man who's twenty five, let alone thirty five. So um, I think maybe a one. A one-year extension for the pair of them is is pretty good. So um, you know, let's let's give them that because they've been excellent servants to the club, and they could be um, they could be the the players that come off the bench next season if needed to make any sort of you know last fifteen. You've got any sort of problem in a game, where you can bring on um, Iron Robin or Frank Ribery. That that's uh, that's something to be. Um, <laughs> are something to be pleased on no matter who you are what side in the world so uh, I think whoever comes in will definitely have an eye on uh, bringing youth players in but I think to have that safety blanket of two of the best players in Europe to be able to call on them if needed then um, I think that's that's something which any club would be proud of Bryce uh, in the world let alone um, in Germany
1: yeah absolutely I mean their experience but also they've They've got qualities that um, still go on, even though their age might be a uh, well, might might be uh, getting on a little bit, maybe past their best. But uh, Manu, do you feel that uh, Bayern need to focus more on, like, Nabry who will be back with them, obviously as a spell Hoffenheim this season, um, Coleman? Um, also, as, uh, as a rather positive season, may I say, um, do you think they should be focusing a little bit more on, on these players rather than, uh, Robin and Ribu, as we just mentioned, or do you think they've still got more to offer?
3: I think so. The, I think the club tends towards giving both a new contract, but only under the premise that they will accept to play less in, in the coming year because they want to have a soft transition to Canapri and koman and maybe someone else that they're going to bring in and i think that makes sense i think that's the wise decision because you know um as chris said these these two have been phenomenal um how often do you see it that two players like that stay at one club for it's been over 10 years now and um i think that is that's a phenomenal story so do to keep that wealth of experience seems to be the smart thing to do. But I think uh, it will all depend on whether those two will be willing to accept a diminished role. And
1: that's it. And obviously we know with big personalities, uh, sometimes they don't take too kindly to that. But may I just say between the two of them in the Bundesliga, they've got 10 goals and six assists. You know, that that's quite the feat um, even if they are slightly aging. But Let's move on now uh, further down the table um, and let's talk about the European spots. Uh, we've seen this weekend uh, Dortmund getting back to winning ways um, at home to Stuttgart. It looks like they're more on track to get uh, Champions League football than ever. Uh, Chris, um, this was then bouncing back in, in the right form, wasn't it, after that Der Klassiker well, beating really?
2: Yeah, then if you want to um, come back from a thumping, then and this is a way to do it, to win 3-0. Although, until the Dortmund goal went in, until the first Dortmund goal went in, um, just before half-time, um, Pulisic's um, cross-come-shot, uh, I, I don't think they played particularly well um, in the second half. Once they had that goal under the belt, uh, I thought they played a lot better. But um, any other team, um, I think they may have had a, a few problems there. but. The second half, it was it was turned round. Rather, Peter Stoga said during the half-time break to turn his team round, it worked. They came out well. Obviously, they came out very well because um, Batshuayi scored, I think it was four minutes after the restart. And then they um, got the third goal from my man. Everyone knows I like him. Um, like him to bits. Uh, Maximin Philip scored just before the 60th minute. And, and that was a game over for, for Stuttgart then. But I would say on another day, with another opponent, maybe they go in into that half-time break one-one or maybe even two-one down. But you know, and I'm full of football cliches this evening, Bryce. You can only beat you know the team that you know is in front of you, and, and that's what they did. And they beat them comprehensively in the end. Um, I think we should disregard the first half and look at the second half. And I I would be shocked, shocked now, with 51 points, um, you know, and a comfortable gap um, to fifth. If they were to fall out of the top four, I would be um, I would be exceptionally shocked if that was to happen.
1: Yeah, that's I I would agree with you there, and obviously I'll put the question to Manu as well if if he thinks that um, your know, third place or higher being second um, w- would be nailed on for um, for Dortmund. But uh, I also want to you know, part that I suppose with the question of. Uh, Manu, you you were mentioning the other day in in our group chat. Uh, did Dortmund look that little bit better without the likes of Goethe, uh, uh and you know um, Schuler? Sorry, uh, the, with both of them in the side, uh, they seem to be uh, a bit well, have a bit more movement. Did they not?
3: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think that. I mean, obviously, the the big difference maker is Royce. Um, he's by far and large, the best player that Dortmund have. And when he's on, everyone around him is better. But I think that, and, and Chris, you're, you're a huge fan. I think quite rightly so. Maximilian Philip is probably a way better option than, than Shirley right now. And then, um, I thought it was telling that the players that came on, and the dying moments of the game were Sergio Gomez, the, the young Spaniard that decided in the winner, uh, and Jaden Sancho. Um, that means those two have definitely dropped quite significantly in the packing order. Got to probably give him a bit of a lesson there. Um, bit of time to think. Um, and I think that with Schürrle, I don't think Shirley will have a chance to even make that World Cup squad, but with Got to, there is a chance as long as he, Gets going again because there was there were spells early on in the Bosch where he was fantastic. So I think he just needs to kind of find his form and um, just focus on playing football maybe um, a bit more. But it is telling when you know the youngsters are coming on uh, instead of the established players. And I'm pretty sure that 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 three with uh, Pulisic, Philip, and Royce, and then Y on top. For me, that is probably their best attacking four that they got at the moment.
1: And that's it. Chris, I suppose if we go to you, do you, do you see uh, uh Schürrle getting into that World Cup squad?
2: Schürrle, no, because although he has played a, a couple of, of exceptional games um, within the last month, he's been fantastic in a couple of games. I don't think he's got the consistency that um, Love needs to take him to the, the World Cup finals. I think Germany are so littered with talent i think andre scherler slips down and mario gutzer obviously he's a world cup winner i just don't think he is ready now whether he's taken for his experience that would be a different matter but uh, there's players above him at the moment throughout throughout the league and He's had a very hard time, hasn't he, since he moved to Bayern and then obviously he came back to Dortmund and then he was out for a long time with his illness and he seems to be getting back from that a little bit. But we occasionally see the old Mario Götze, but it's in flashes, maybe one tremendous cut pass, maybe one exceptional through ball. We're not seeing it game in, game out. And and Manu's quite right. I think it was telling um, that when the substitutions were made uh, on the weekend, um, Mario Götze stayed on the bench.
1: Yeah, most certainly. Um, Manu, uh, just before we move on to maybe speak a little bit about uh, Stuttgart, uh, you've been critical in the past uh, few weeks about uh, Pulisic maybe not being as good as what people had hoped he would be. Um, I know he's young. I know that there can be a lot of pressure on young stars like this, but you were saying that he he just wasn't quite good enough. Uh, Did you see any improvements on his behalf
3: this week? Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, he scored that. It was a lucky goal. I mean, anyone can tell me, but that cross was not supposed to end up where it did. But I think he was, he was, everyone was better. And I think that's because he was playing with Royce. Um, I've course Fox News uh, Fox Sports put it the other way around, but I think they're just, um, trying to deliver to the, to the American market a little bit. Pulisic was improved, but he's not the best player, um, by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's a very talented player that one day can be among Dortmund's best players. But Marco Reus is for me, look, when Marco Reus is in that field, everyone around him gets better. And that's, that is really for me, the key component. You see it. You, you see the little things that he does. And he, even if he doesn't do anything, he draws people um towards him, right. And gives, gives the likes of Phillips and the room. And uh, I think that is really the big difference maker for me. So, I saw Pulisic was a lot better because he had a better player to play with. But it's also maybe just sometimes you, <laughs> I wrote my match report. Sometimes you just need that lucky moment and then everything just goes and goes your way. And then it, it's just the, the game becomes becomes so much easier for you to play. There was a lot of things going against Dortmund for a long time and including Polizic And then he just releases that cross and... You can see how it slips off his foot and he's a, you see his facial expression that when he, when he looks after the ball, he knows that that cross is, didn't work out. And then it falls, it falls into the net and he just stands there perplexed like everyone else. And I, I think that was such a Kickstarter from that moment onwards. Dortmund were playing good football. Sometimes you just, right? I mean, Chris, we probably all had it playing football. Sometimes you just need that moment and. I personally am not someone who believes in luck. You need to make your own luck happen, but it's really hard to explain it any other way than that, that sometimes you need that little bit of luck. Yeah,
2: of course you do. And, you know, I've I played striker, and if you haven't been getting a goal and one comes off your backside and goes in, sometimes that's all you need. It can be the luckiest bit in the world to snap you back into a little bit of form. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, you saw his reaction. There's no way he meant for that to go in, but... It, it's 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 a great cross it it just goes in and hopefully that's a little bit of luck he needed to to get his game back on track because we all know how good he is um when he's able to show his ability he's he's unplayable he certainly was last season at times
1: yeah so guys let's talk a little bit about stuttgart i, I feel the the promoted side have had a well a rather successful season though after this defeat they Drop down to ninth position in the league, which uh, with five games left, eight points off a sixth, which would get them into Europe. You'd probably
3: say, wouldn't you, Manu, that it's uh, a step too far for them. 7th is enough too this year, right? Because of the, oh. the teams that are in the Pokal. Um, unless Frankfurt finishes 7th, which I guess is possible. But right now it looks like that the um the Bukavina will be in Europe anyways, which means that the, the spot goes back to the league, which means seventh will be likely enough. Yeah. Which
1: would be Hoffenheim sitting in 43 points. Yeah. Still five points.
3: But only three points behind Frankfurt and Frankfurt are one of the teams. The other, the other three are obviously Bayern, Schalke and Leverkusen were, I, I think are going to play in Europe for sure. Um, so. Frankfurt could drop to seventh, which case, I guess it would be still enough. But Frankfurt could also finish in the Champions League. That's, that's entirely possible. The race is very tight. Um, but seventh might be enough, but I think that Stuttgart will not have enough, um, to break into that top seven. Look, for me, that top seven is, is more or less cemented. I could see maybe Gladbach, um, challenging, but for me, the three points and the minus five in goals, uh, I just don't see it. And Gladbach have not been consistent enough for me. And Hoffenheim were excellent. That Frankfurt-Hoffenheim game was one of the best games I saw. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it in a moment, but that's been one of the best games I've seen in a long time from two very, very excellent teams who I think are going to rack up a lot of points till the end of the season. And I don't think that Stuttgart will collect more points than than those two, which means they're not going to have enough um to finish seventh. And the same goes for Gladbach for me.
1: Yeah, I think you're right with that top seven. If if I'm being honest, if I had to pick as well. So um, I I suppose that brings us to talking about uh, the Sunday game that uh, that was very much um well a European playoff game in, in a way, as we've seen Eintracht Frankfurt take on Hoffenheim, a game that ended one apiece. piece. Um, Manu, you and I were messaging uh, saying about how entertaining this game was, and it, it feels like almost with this weekend that we were spoiled with entertaining games.
3: Yeah, we are. I, mean, I thought this was a great match day. Um I think we've been complaining quite a lot through the winter and now that spring is there, um the games, I mean, today's game was excellent. The We're going to talk about the next game, the, the Schalke-Hamburg game was surprisingly amazing. Uh, I did the, the match report for the Bayern Augsburg game. It was a great game. The Friday game was really good. And then this game, it was only a 1-1 draw, but these were two teams that are... I mean, there is a reason why Nagelsmann and Kovac are mentioned when it comes to the Bayern job and the Dortmund job. These are two very good coaches. And I thought um, that tactically this was one of the, the best games that I've seen. Yes, it maybe should have had more goals, but great football. They, they, the level has gone up in the last few weeks. We've been very critical, but the last two or three match days have been... We've seen some fantastic football, and this was one where we got spoiled.
1: Yes, indeed. And another goal by Serge Gnabry, which um, I, I would imagine that uh, Bayern are going to be rather happy about that as well, wouldn't you agree, Chris? You know, they're going to see this goal, this performance, and think, uh, "Are we happy that we made that bit of business last summer?"
2: Oh, yeah, they will, because he is—he's um, just one of the most exciting players I've seen this season. He all, I mean, they're going all the way back to the very first match day. Um, he was he's just been tremendous throughout and he's so exciting to watch and not only has he got an ability to to link up well with those around him he can he's an all-round finisher he can finish from in the box but you know we all know he can smash one from outside as well and get it in the top corner or bottom corner so he is a, a goal threat um with his own feet or by feeding others and Manu's quite right although it was 1-1 it was a very very good tactical battle and I think what we saw from this is that Kovac's uh, Frankfurt can hold on to the ball very well and are able to use it. But something I've not seen maybe too much this season was even only with 39% possession, uh, what Hoffenheim did with the ball was excellent. So, um, you know, they only had one less shot uh, on goal. So it, it was 10 to 9. Uh, and they only had one less shot on target, 4 to 3. Now, that's with... Um, you know, Just under, uh, you can't say a half, can you? But it was considerably less um, possession. So that was a very interesting because I've been quite critical about Hoffenheim at times, where um, I think without the ball they've been out of shape and they've been torn apart. But the last couple of match days, they seem to have really whipped that back into shape, Um, and we saw that the other weekend, you know, when they ran away with the game, but. From controlling a game like that to come into a game like the one we've seen this weekend and still get something out of it and play very well without the ball, I think that is something maybe they were missing from Europe, which is if they want to get into Europe again next season, I think maybe we're seeing a little bit of Nagelsmann's learning curve out in the open.
1: And Manu, just before we move away from these sides and talk about that Monday night game, uh, another very exciting matchup. Uh, you mentioned um, in, in conversation uh, in the last few days that you feel that Hoffenheim aren't just going to be a stepping stone for players and coaches now that they may just um, turn a corner this summer and maybe keep, you know, the Nagelsmann, who you know, is quite a prized possession, but also keep some of um, their highly rated players as well.
3: well I think Hoffenheim is always going to be um, a. St- stepping stone, but I don't think they're going to lose quite as many players in the summer. I, the, the reason I'm saying that is because I think it's unlikely that anyone is going to be able to, to price away Nagosman this summer. And then the big news, of course, where that Demi buy has signed a new contract, which is, I think, a bit surprising considering the clubs that were interested in him. So yeah, he's off the market and that's, that's, that's a sign, you know, um, that someone like that is going to stay with Hoffenheim for now. Is a good sign. That doesn't mean he's going to stay there forever. I mean, a year or two, he could still leave, right? Hoffenheim is still a club trying to develop for others and make money. You know, they're self-sustainable despite having an owner. But I think the the amount of players that they have bleeding um, might stop. That that, keep in mind, Bryce Gnabry is still gonna be gone because he's only on loan, for example, right? So it's not completely, but at least the players that they've developed themselves, they can they can they might be able to hang on to them a little longer.
1: Yeah, well, let's just see what happens to them. It'd be nice if they weren't just to uh, pass on those players and coaches. Eh? But let's talk about that Monday night game. So we've seen Bayern Leverkusen away to RB Leipzig. Uh, RB Leipzig took the lead early doors, but uh, ended up losing uh, 4-1. Yeah, quite the turnaround. This is a hell of a result for Leverkusen, who now move up to fourth place. Uh, Chris. Uh, Obviously, you, you watched the game, you enjoyed the game as well. Um, just one of the many great games that we've had this weekend. But um, the three of us talked, didn't we, saying, well, hold on, RB Leipzig are playing on the Monday night because of their European action last Thursday. We said that clearly they're going to be well rested for this game, but it in a way stitches them up going into their Thursday night game this week. But that, didn't really seem to be the case. They they didn't um, come out of this uh, and win after being well rested, and um, they lost this one. And now they've only got well two days effectively until they're playing again.
2: Yeah, it's um it's an odd one. I think this Monday night game um, works. There's I think there's only one occasion when it works, and that's way back in the very early stages of the groups. Um, I think it works maybe twice for a team, and, and they're never going to play twice on a Monday night. It's going to be rotated through the teams that are in the Europa League. So for me, the Monday night game doesn't fit. I don't think it fits with the fans. Um, you can see that by the attendance um, from the Bayer Leverkusen um, supporters. Obviously, you know we've travelled across Germany um, quite a lot. You and I, Bryce, um, man, who's obviously from Germany, so we know how big it is. Uh, and you know, there's lots more things to be doing. Um, travelling from, from the area where Leverkusen is all the way up um, to Leipzig on a Monday and then getting back for work on a Tuesday so I don't think it fits for the club and I don't think it fits for supporters as well so it, it's a contentious one for me and you could see um, I think it was after the third goal went in, um, Leipzig were pretty much thinking about Thursday night and you know they started to make a couple of changes um, etc so uh, don't take it away from the game though it was phenomenal and i thought leipzig started the game very well and they had a look of a team that wanted to finish this game off by half time that obviously didn't happen because by leverkusen got you know a game changing goal on the stroke of half time and then um, it was a uh, julian Brandon kai Havertz show wasn't it after that um, and the football was was unreal from leverkusen um i think what i found most interesting is just prior to the game um, I did a vote this time Bryce and it's normally who does a little vote so I took to social media and and ha- asked who people thought would um qualify for the Champions League now I personally think Bayer Lever- uh, sorry by Munich obviously have Schalke and Dortmund will get through so it was who comes forth was it Leipzig um Frankfurt Hoffenheim um or Bayer Leverkusen now <laughs> there's quite a lot of voting went in before the before the goals and Quite a lot of people went with Leipzig, but you know, on this showing, I think um, maybe 13% of the people were right. It, it could be by Leverkusen. I, I thought they were tremendous um, in this game, and and it was a joy to watch for me. I think Bryce, this was the best game of the match day.
1: Wow. What a, what a statement after a match day of many great games. May I just say, Chris, I was one of that 13%. But uh, we'll not focus on that right now. Um, Manu, how do you feel? Who do you feel is going to get fourth place? This obviously is massive for Bayern Leverkusen and uh, you know, their aspirations to get into the Champions League. Uh, do you think this um, result will also give them the confidence going into the final few match days? There's only five games left.
3: Or oh, they can only help, right? I think it's so close to call. Um, we, in a sense, have, have Bayer, Eintracht and Leipzig fight for that, that final Champions League spot. I, I reckon Dortmund and, and Schalke are more or less through. Um, maybe small question mark. I, and I know this sounds crazy, but I'll, I'll get into this a mid when We get to talk about the next game. For me is, it's maybe Schalke because of, uh, next week's game, but, yeah, I mean that this result helps you just beaten your closest rival for the Champions League spot 4-1, right? And when you watch the full match, I thought that Leverkusen were typical for a VXL, for a company team. They were very efficient, industrious, because I think they they scored their first three goals and pretty much their first three shots and goal. And I thought this was a very, very even match until that third goal went in. And then Leipzig, I think Chris is quite right, right? Leipzig took their eyes off and said, well, look, uh, this game is obviously gone. We have a big fixture on Thursday. Let's take off all, all man, man. Uh, Vienna was taken off. Kater was rattled. Um, he was, he collided with uh, Ben Leno and, um, was taken off right away too. And was then seen walking off. I think he, he will be fine. Looks like he will be fine anyways, and, um, but was taking off anyways, right? So they didn't want to risk anything anymore. Um, I think they, they recognized that that particular battle was lost. So I think that Leverkusen, big three points, right? Um, the fact that Fallon scored first time in a long time, that's a big one too. You want your main striker to be on in the zone and ready for when the big matches come up. So I think, um, it's a very close race to call, but it, it definitely helps beating your uh, one of your closest rivals when it comes to the Champions League race. Well,
1: absolutely. And so, Chris, do you see um, RB Leipzig getting through to the next phase of the of the Europa League? They're obviously in a prime position after a one nil victory um, last week.
2: Um, yes, I do, and, and I say that selfishly, Bryce, because um, I want to go and watch the um, Red Bull Europa League final um uh, that's that's what i want to see
1: even though uh it's uefa aren't they they're saying that uh, R your rb red bull have nothing to do with salzburg
2: the other way around isn't it so um yeah the clubs aren't linked but i, I want to see i want to see a full red bull final um i think it'll be <laughs> i just think it'd be funny and and people's heads would be falling off everywhere so uh, that for me i'd like to see that um And it would almost be the uh, student versus the master, wouldn't it? Um, And I think it would be the sort of thing that Red Bull would thrive on publicity for years about. But uh, I think they have got enough to go through. I think they've probably got one eye on the fact that this might be their best chance uh, to get into the Champions League uh, with it being so tight. And Manu's highlighted how tight it is, you know. And um, as quite rightly said, with the games coming up on the weekend, it could get even tighter. So um they're only, you know, a, a few wins off an automatic Champions League qualification. So I think they should give all to this competition. And and if they can get to the final, then, you know, as we've said already, it's a one-off game, isn't it? And you never know what can happen. But I would certainly like to see Leipzig get through to the final, if not to help my accreditation, Bryce.
1: Ha <laughs> ha, interior motive, eh? Okay guys well I think that does it for the midweek European fixtures not talking about that let's move domestically but to look ahead uh, to next week's derby between Schalke and Dortmund the Riviera derby and it doesn't get much bigger than this when both sides are placed second and third in the division uh Manu how do you see this going it it, it doesn't get much bigger than this for the two sides does it as as far as a, a rivalry comes
3: Oh, well, it's the biggest derby in German football, and and I think it's, I think it was ranked as one of the biggest derbies in world football, even by there's a bunch of magazines that that like to feature that, and they always feature this one. Um I think, uh, it's funny how a week can make a difference in perspective. I, I I think that Schalke, I I've been just waiting for the wheels to come off the Schalke train a little bit because I think that they are as a side heavily overrated and um that they're getting results um a lot of their results have been very close fought results and i think they have been slightly found out um the fact that they lost to hamburg who have played who played a great match um but i think that will hurt them and i reckon dortmund will get the three points there and um go past past schalke um to take second place and i i think um that, that could blow open that Champions League, the, the standings for the Champions League. Because you look at some of the other matches that are taking place that match day, right? Leverkusen are playing against Frankfurt. And then, of course, Dortmund, um, Hoffenheim is Hamburg, um, two very difficult games of Hamburg looking much better, much improved the last few weeks. So yeah, this will be an interesting one. In and based, on, as Chris alluded to, the results that are on this match day could give us a very good indication, but I reckon Dortmund will take second place. On um, Sunday, and Chris, would you
1: second that? Who who do you think is going to come out on top of this? Uh, of this closely fought army.
2: Well, you, you're quite right. It's closely fought, isn't it? I think if we have um anything like the game we had back in November, we're in for a treat. I, I can't see it maybe being as um as goal heavy as that and we've got to go back to two thousand and fifteen for the last time there was a winner in this and, and that was Dortmund um for both games in that season. We've had a two two a nil nil a one one and of course a, a wonderful four four draw um in a Bundesliga. So um we're probably odds on to get a one one, but I would like to think we'll see a great game and um for me it comes at a strange time for both clubs. As Manu's quite rightly said, Schalke are maybe stuttering a little bit. Dortmund, you don't know what you're going to get week in, week out with Dortmund. They can either steamroll teams um, off the park or, you know, they can play like a bunch of schoolboys. And, you know, that's probably a disrespect to some of the schoolboys I've seen play football lately. We've played maybe a slightly higher level than Dortmund in the, in the past few months. But um, you just don't know what you're going to get with the derby. We've seen it not only. Um, in, in England this week, we've seen it across Europe, where you get surprise um, derby results, or you get teams that are leading at half time um, that end up getting beat, or you just get a really drab nil nil affair. Bryce, so um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. I would like to see, uh, you know, a four three win for Dortmund, but I don't think it's going to happen. It'll probably be one one.
1: Yeah, that's it. Wouldn't it be fantastic to see a scoreline as with as many goals as what we did last time? Uh, Dortmund were four 0 up for to finish four um, four. So yeah, I, I I would be somewhat surprised if we got that many goals. But uh, maybe the same ultimate outcome of a draw isn't a bad shy. Chris, though, may I say at the Velten's Arena, Schalke are at home. Um, with me saying that uh, they have not lost since two thousand and thirteen against Dortmund so so there's a, a stat that could possibly mean nothing at all but um, anyway we'll move on it's further down uh, the table and we'll t- focus on the relegation battle um, uh, unfortunately for Cologne it, it's it's looked um, like any sort of comeback is going to be a little bit too late as they failed to capitalise uh, on what could have been a six-pointer against Mainz who are placed above them in the league that uh, finished one one of them taking an early lead it also seen hamburg um Pull out a, a victory, uh, even though nobody had expected it against uh Schalke, as Manu just uh, mentioned. So that means Cologne dropped to the bottom of the table. Uh, Chris, you did say a few match days ago that it would require seven cup finals from Cologne. Uh, they didn't capitalize on that in the last two match days, and it, it's, it seems like it's uh, all coming to an end for them.
2: Um, yeah, I'm pretty content now that the bottom three is as we see it, and they, um, the, the bottom two will go down, um, and then Mainz will be in that relegation playoff. That, that's it, Bryce. I can't see anything else by that, especially after, um, Divock Origi's little bit of trickery on the weekend for Wolfsburg.
1: Haha, uh, yes, indeed. Um, I would also agree with, uh, the, the three places, the bottom of the table, um, that would mean that Mainz would go into the relegation, uh, Playoff, and I don't know, it, I, Manu. When we talk about the relegation uh, playoff, so they're going to play who finishes third in, in Bundesliga two. It doesn't really work in favor, does it, of the uh, the lower league side?
3: Well, it depends. Sometimes it's, it does favor the lower league side. Um, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. It means. I think the team that's currently third in Bundesliga 2, Holstein Kiel, is not strong enough to do dislodge, if it is Mainz, um, we'll see. I think my beer bet with my dad is back on if Hamburg win a couple more games, they might uh, might uh, escape once again.
1: In saying that though, does it make any difference to Manu when I say that uh, Kiel, out of the uh, two divisions, uh, Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2, only Bayern Munich have actually scored more goals than them. Uh, they're joined with uh, Dortmund as well. Does that make any
3: difference?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I lower league, I'm not that. I'm trying to clutch at straws here. I'm trying to make it interesting. <laughs> maybe, maybe, there's a chance, right? No, um, I don't think so. Also, the merch
3: today that Köln apparently are going to sign the entire coaching staff from Kiel.
1: So. Okay. Good times. Um, that 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 more or less kills any optimism I have for kill. Thanks, guys. But um, yeah, let's move on. Let's talk about a, a bit of a controversy uh, involving uh, Neil's Um It it seems that um, he, he was sent off, but he didn't see the yellow card, so he hasn't been sent off. Has been rescinded. Manu, talk us through this one. What what exactly has happened here? I mean, it it seems a bit baffling to me.
3: I think everyone is baffled except for the judges that made the ruling. Um, because, so Niels Patterson received a yellow card for, uh, content and then he received a second one shortly after. And he claimed he never saw the first yellow card or was told by the referee. And I think, um, the referee said, well, he, he later, he, he told Pedersen that he, that he was shown a yellow card. So he, he, he didn't uh, feel like he needed to see it. Um the, the law actually is quite clear on this. We had US on Eurosport explaining Osmayer's is of course the former Swiss referee, very well known Swiss referee who works for FIFA, explained this to, to uh Eurosport and it's quite simple. The yellow card is actually only shown for um the journalists and the the uh attendants to know the fact that their yellow coat card was shown. Originally um a booking was verbally. And it still is verbally. So when the referee has to actually, he, when he shows the yellow card, he has to also say yellow card, player's name and number, right? That's how it is done. And then it's, it's noted down. Um, and the referee says that that's what he did. So Peterson then claimed he didn't see it. He, he never knew that he was already in a booking. So when he went back, uh, and complained shortly after and received the second yellow card, he was baffled that he was then quickly shown a red card as well. Now, um, originally the, the Bundesliga said this card stood, and then they went to the upper court, the DFB upper court, and the, that court ruled that this card didn't stand. The second one, um, that he's going to be rescinded because it from the video. <laughs> this is the best part, guys. On the video, it was not apparent that Peterson was shown the yellow card. Um, that he knew that he was shown a yellow card. Uh, I guess the video, you can't tell whether the ref said it to him. But, uh, but this, this, I mean, Chris, this is, this is a crazy because this blows open. Um, this opens a can of worms because now players could more or less run away from the referee and just hope not to basically ignore a yellow card shown to them. Because if they ignore it and they can't hear it and they can't see it, it won't count. So we need a, we need a clear ruling on this and, I think Bryce mentioned it before the podcast. They used to be on FIFA, FIFA 1994. You used to be able to run away from the referee until and the yellow card would never be shown to you. So this is this is crazy, right?
1: They projected yeah.
3: the future. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. And I think what's even more crazy is if you look at
2: the video replay, this is why I don't understand what the DFB court found you know, in favor of the player because um, the referee clearly taps on his back um, and says something. So, he, he will have felt the touch and i'm sure you know he would have heard um he would have heard him being told that he's being given a yellow card now the only way i can see this happens in the next match day is that we see referees um take a turn uh, to be over dramatic's probably the wrong word but you will get an exceptionally loud whistle blast uh, and a german equivalent of number 9 get over here now uh, and then, you know, stand up like we see in England quite a bit. The referees pull the players over, they make them stand up, eye to eye contact with them, yellow card, show the card above their head. So they've got no, um, you know, there's no ambiguity there. And I think that Peterson's probably just um, seen a little loophole that he thinks he can get around Um this is the type of thing, though, that gets brought up at the end of season when the um, IFAB get together. So the four UK home nations and FIFA get together and they look at stuff that's gone on throughout the game across the world and they close these loopholes. and I will suggest that this loophole will be closed before the start of the World Cup because you're quite right, Manu. You know, just run away, did near it, sorry, unlucky.
1: Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I I think it's a bit. Bit ridiculous, but um, I suppose that's where we're going to have to end the podcast this week, guys. Um, so I mean, obviously we've got um, Champions League, we've got Europa League happening all midweek. Um, I'd imagine both of you are going to be rather busy. Chris, let's go to you first. what would you like to draw people's attention to, or or what are you getting up to in the next few days?
2: Oh, well, you know, it's a very, very busy few days um, because there's football on um, every single night, isn't there? So we've got football tonight, Mondays we record it, then, you know, we're into Champions League action, Europa League action, and then, of course, Wolfsburg take on Augsburg um, next Friday. So, um, yeah, very busy week. So just keep your eyes locked on either my Twitter, which is at Chris78Williams or at FootballGradLive.
1: That's it. There'll be plenty of match previews, match reports, and. Uh, many other articles uh, coming out uh, on Football Grad. So uh, on Twitter, go to at Football Grad Live. As Chris said, there'll be plenty for you. Manu, anything you'd like to uh, draw people's attention to or where can they find you online?
3: Yeah, people can follow me on uh, Twitter, um, Manuel at Manuel Um Yeah, it's, it's going to be a busy few days and as I said in the beginning of the pod, um, I'm heading over to Europe next Sunday, um, flying back. I'll be in Paris at uh, a conference in Antaire Paris, uh, university in Paris, and I'm giving a talk on Russia football and soft politics at the university there. And then of course, back in the stadiums, then right after that, um, across Europe, um, doing a trip to Greece to, to visit our man Thomas Farines down there, and we're going to have something special planned with his. With the, the project that he leads down there as well. So that's on the agenda, of course. And then, of course we're hoping for Europa League and Champions League final accreditation, right, Chris? So that's, that's long term. And then of course the World Cup is coming up. So yeah, it's, it's not just this week. It's going to be a very busy couple months, Bryce. So everything about that can be followed. That can follow me at Manuel Weff and then of course our, our account at football Card live. Wow. Wow, that is a lot going
1: on. But guys, if, if you want it, head over to Football Grad, as the uh, other two guys have just said. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we really hope that you have. Please get in touch online. You can uh, get in contact with any of us uh, on Twitter at uh, you know at our addresses that we just give you, or the Football Grad live one. Um, also, if you've enjoyed the podcast. Please leave some positive uh, feedback um on the likes of iTunes. We'd we'd greatly appreciate that. We really would. Uh, I've been your host Bryce Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn Eleven. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed the midweek games. There's gonna be plenty of action I feel. And then yes, the, the even more action next week in the Bundesliga as always. But until then, I'll feeders in.
0: one gift that never gets returned trick question it's three gifts beer wine and spirits and with drizzly you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer wine and holiday spirits then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes and right now drizzly is giving customers five dollars off their first order just enter promo code jingle at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's Drizl Y.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.